Hello, I am Griselda Togobo and you are listening to In Conversation With. This is a Forward Ladies podcast where inspirational female leaders share practical and simple strategies to help you win in the world of work. Welcome everyone uh, to the Forward Ladies Monthly In Conversation With series. Today I'm in conversation with Latanya Sims and from the copy on uh, Eventbrite and the information we've sent you, I can only use two words to describe Latanya, which is a phenomenal leader and a trailblazer. So um, if you've been paying attention at all to anything at all happening in the leadership space, you know that there are very few female leaders, let alone um, leaders from the black and ethnic minority background. So I'm so delighted to have Latanya here today because she's had a, a, a phenomenal career within the U.S. Navy Corps, and she's going to share some lessons with us today. Um, the, the structure of today is very informal, so we'll be laughing um, a lot. We'll be getting as personal as we can. It will be very authentic. And I hope that rather than just have the two of us talking at you, you will also engage and post your questions and your contributions throughout the session. So thank you all so much for joining us. Um, a recording of this session as well will be uh, uploaded to our YouTube channel at Forward Ladies, so you can watch it as well and share that within your communities and your networks as well. So thank you. So Latanya, thank you so much for making time for us. You're very welcome, and thank you for having me. It's a, it's an honor, particularly um, to uh, be a part of uh, your effort to to expand your four ladies network. Fantastic. So Latanya and I met last time I was in the U.S. in Dallas. Um, she spoke to a cohort of our women on our leadership program, and I was absolutely blown away. And I was blown away because of her style, because of her track record, but also because of her authenticity. So you, might, you may be wondering, why is Griselda so inspired by this woman? Um, Latanya, can you give us just a potted history, very quickly, a bit about your background, just so people can get a sense of um, what you've achieved? Um, well, you know, you know firsthand, I'm not, not going to talk about achievement per se in that, per, in that way, but uh, I, um, I grew up in Fort Myers, Florida. And um, it was a very formidable uh, childhood. And in having the opportunity to do this, of course, you prepare and you read and you hear from people. And so I've heard from people from very early on uh, from home, uh, which is great. And particularly as my mother and my brother had also shared the, the uh, event um, uh, information. So that's been great. And uh, I went to school at, at uh, Florida A&M University, undergraduate. And uh, I see one of my professors that is also <laughs> online, that is also uh, Laverne Wells Bowie. Um, and so that very much feeds into my story. And that is, um, I've had wonderful people uh, and very strong Black women along the way that have have helped me and shaped me and formed me and 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 it's who it's a part of who I am right and so um, I went to architecture school and while I was the tail end of architecture school I joined the Navy to help um, continue paying for school and uh, I joined the Navy again to help pay for school and then I ended up staying for 26 years yes. and 
in that maturation and along the way, <clears throat> I met some and served with some of the most intelligent, brilliant, um, very down to earth people um, that you could ever imagine. And so I'm just a subset of that. Um, and I sort of, and I, I represent them. Uh, three years ago, I transitioned out of the Navy um, and went, my original plan was to pursue my art and graphic design. And I sort of got sidetracked from that for a little bit, but that's okay because in that time, uh, I was still doing design and construction at that point. Uh, in that time, I, I also met some very wonderful people, one of which I see that's also online, Debbie Burkhart in, at Northwestern University. And uh, so after almost two years, I uh, decided to, uh, I figured if I only have one shot at this thing called life, yeah. I, I might want to pursue this art and graphic design thing. So that's what I'm doing now. Oh, fantastic. So... I'm sure um, every time I speak to people, one of the things that people tend to say, particularly women, is that I am not cut out for leadership. You know, I'm not a leader. Um, so I'm intrigued to know how you made it to the point where you were the captain um, of the U.S. Civil Corps, because looking in front of you, ahead of you, there were no women at that point. So what inspired you to keep going to get to that point? Well, there, there were women. And let me clarify something. And I just want to say, um, I, I, don't rep I don't represent the Navy, right? Um, I, I, these, are, the, these views are my own. Um, but um, there, there were women. As a matter of fact, um, Lori, who you said hello to in, yeah. um, in D.C., uh, Lori and I were in the same basic civil engineer core class. So we've known each other since 1993, right? Yeah. And so, so Lori and I, I in, in my career, sort of paralleled each other, and and we we and we're friends to this day. So, but there were there were women that were ahead of us that also um, befriended us and watched out for us, gave us advice and things like that. I mean, we had a, a a female leader in the civil engineer corps rise to the pinnacle, which is the what we call the chief of civil engineers. Uh, her name was uh, she was an admiral, um, two star admiral. Um, and she, Kate Gregory is her name, Admiral Gregory. Again, you know, very. They had no problem in reaching out and and guiding people, but in terms of where I found myself, to your point. So there was one that I was aware of. There were, two, there was one officer who made it to commander, which is uh, the rank below captain. And then there was another black female that was also ahead of me that ultimately transitioned to the reserves. Yeah. Um, all great people, all people. Our core is small enough that it's a small subset of the Navy that you could just pick up the phone and call people and say, I have a question. Okay. Um, not all the time would they answer, but still you could, they, the core <laughs> is that, is that small. And so um, they, they at least knew you were asking the question. Um, so for me though, because those folks were not available for me, it was the civilians that really sort of let me know that this is a place for me 
and it wasn't in a direct sort of way. So my very first tour, Norfolk, Virginia, there was an office, and, and, and in my view, it's probably one of the best construction offices in the Navy. There, there was a, a young civilian engineer, black guy, who said, he, he would say, hey, Ensign, right? So I was the lowest rank, right? He would say, hey, Ensign, grab your hard hat. Let's go out. And he, we would ride the construction sites. And Rob White would I, would, I would just be in the background, right? So Rob would just be telling, you know, I could uh, see how he interacted with contractors and his inspectors and how he talked to people, how they respected him. And it was, it was a lesson not only in how you interact, how you can positively interact with our, our contracting partners, but also um, how you treat people when they're new, mm -hmm. right? I mean, again, I'm the junior person. And he would say, go grab your hard hat. Let's go. We're going to the construction sites. And he wasn't, I mean, Rob's not that much older than me, but still he was, it, it was, it, it meant something, right? It meant that, hey, you belong here. And then there were contract specialists, the ladies that put together, and there were ladies, most of them were ladies, that actually put together the contracts, actually, you know, would ask my opinion. They would invite me out to lunch. All of these were civilians. And they, from that very early on, were the people that helped me know that, hey, I, you can be comfortable in your own skin. So you, you talk about belonging. Yes. And it strikes me that that is something that has stayed with you um, at that point in your career. So we're living in a time now where, um, you know, it's coronavirus, um, COVID-19. I think we're all probably in lockdown or working towards a lockdown or coming out of a lockdown. And we've seen... Um, you know, society very divided in terms of people feeling they don't believe don't belong in different places or in different countries, depending on how the leadership of um, in certain spaces make people feel. So, what would you say is the most important thing a leader can do to make people feel that sense of belonging that can bring us all together in these times? That's a good question. As a leader you have to tap into those ways that speak to people. So in the civil engineer corps, for instance, one of the things that is very big is playing ultimate Frisbee on Fridays for physical training, or that's like a thing to do. Um, an another thing to do is um, drinking. Imagine that, right? Drink <laughs> <laughs> and you don't drink. Drinking in this, right, and I don't drink. Yes. Um, are there, so you have to, as a leader, you have to ask yourself, are there ways to have fun, to build camaraderie, to get to know one another outside of the very formal um, ways of being that speak to just more than one demographic? Yeah. Maybe the answer is no, but how do you know? You gotta ask the question. So if your idea is here and somebody else from a different cultural background or different religious background, different whatever, um, 
their idea is here, then you need to expand the aperture. I, no, I, I don't drink and so, but I think um, it, you, can, you can have fun without drinking, right? Yeah. You can, you can have fun without playing drinking games. And I, I come back to Ultimate Frisbee because I didn't necessarily particularly care for Ultimate Frisbee. I, I, you know, in my view, a lot of Black people don't grow up throwing Frisbees <laughs> where I grew up. Yeah, yeah. That's just me. So when the Frisbee, you know, you get hit one too many times on the forehead with the Frisbee, and this isn't fun, right? But what I did find that I like to play that ultimate game with a football. And I'm telling you what, if you ask anybody from the 30th Naval Construction uh, Regiment, what kind of epic ultimate football games we had on Fridays, it was fabulous. So again, you gotta find what, like, you know, maybe it's not this, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, yeah. but ask the question, like, how can we get people involved? And if it doesn't work, change it and try something, try something else. else. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. But you have to. You have to find ways to make people feel like they are a part of the team. Otherwise, they won't stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. And and then staying with the COVID situation, I speak to people who are experiencing a lot of anxiety and fear. And, um, and, and really feeling lost myself, you know, it's, it's challenging having to all of a sudden uh, wear all the hats that we we'll typically wear at different times during the day or the week in one day in the same space all the time. So I, if you were, you know, in your experience as a leader, how would you motivate people now? How would you get them to get out of that state of fear and anxiety and um, knowing all the uncertainty we have in, in the world right now? And I'm bringing sure. some deep questions, but deep. <laughs> it's just where deep. we are now. Deep. Again, I am not a psychologist. Let me just say that. Um, but, but how about this? So I... <clears throat> But, but I am married to a psychiatric nurse practitioner, so that, yeah. that, there's that. Um, one, you get, sometimes you got to turn it all off. Yeah. It's too much. Um, if it particularly, if it's negative, you know, you, you can't, it, it's not good to let that into your spirit all the time, all day. So, uh, in this particular time where a lot of us are in our homes or um, we're, we're in very constricted spaces, uh, I would encourage people to find a routine, um, schedule certain things, you know, allow yourself to see the news a couple times a day, everything else, turn it off. Um, you got to be informed, obviously. But um, if you're asked to work from home, make sure you're very structured about when you're going to uh, eat breakfast, when you, you know, check in on the kid, well, the kids will just run in the room, I'm sure. But, um, you know, and, and have a very formal way to how you approach things. Um, work in uh, some well-being and, uh, you know, if you can, if, if you're, country or municipality allows you to go out and you know you go out within those um guidelines to get some fresh air uh you have to keep moving 
me personally, I had transitioned to working from home anyway. And so uh, in, in my day right now, you know, I sort of get up, make coffee, make the bed, um, uh, get my wife off to work. And then I come in and I work either, either that is making products for, you know, the communication products for my clients, or I go down and paint and I'm, I'm making products. Um, but that's just a part of my day. And I also then build in some physical training. Like right now, um, you know, there's all these wonderful people that have services that they're offering online. Yeah. And so um, that's been right. Fabulous as well. Uh, to be able to bring those people into, uh, you know, where the, whether it's Facebook Live or like the YMCA has uh, free online videos and things like that. Uh, turn that, you know, find something that you enjoy and do it because uh, you uh, you have to find the, the, the positive. Otherwise, you'll go mad. You would. You would. By the time this is over, you know. I have a friend working in mental health right now, and she said it's it's probably one of the busiest times she's ever seen in, in a long while. Um, because the mental resilience just isn't there. We're so used to being able to do what we want when we want, and having that taken away is just causing us to, even though there's an opportunity to reflect, I think you have to be very intentional about how you make use of the time and, and how you stay um, positive. And, my little girl has just come. Ellie, can you go? Mommy will come and see you. Say hi. Yeah, mommy. Right, I'll just have to carry and we'll just go through. This is COVID homeschooling time. So please bear with me. So there's a question I wanted to ask, and this is really around um, selecting your team. So you cannot be a good leader without having some really brilliant people working with you, working by the side, and helping you deliver on your vision. So what's been some of the ways that you have picked the right people to work alongside you? What, 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 what qualities do you look for? Well, I think uh, I want to, I want to backtrack back to um, keeping sanity in this time. Make sure you're connecting with your friends and family, by the way. I mean, things like this are helpful too, to see people talking and people are still living, right? It's helpful to get that energy from other people. Um, picking the right team right now at this particular moment in time or in the future people that are reviewing this recording are laughing at your question and I say that because um, ideally right so you, you ideally you pick somebody or pick people that fit into the culture of your organization um, they, it, and it depends on where they will be working. If they're working directly with you, of course, they have to fit with your own personality and not fit in a sort of mirror sort of way, but maybe they bring something else to the team that you don't have, right? So a good team, and, and uh, <laughs> uh, I think you know this, my father was a coach, right? So I think, I, 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 thinking a lot oftentimes in sports analogies. Yeah. A, a good team has different players and every player has their role. So you have to look to see um, what you're lacking in any one particular thing and find somebody that does that and does it well. Um, that also then can do it in the uh, within the bounds of the team, mm -hmm. right? Because 
you know, Michael Jordan wouldn't have been Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen, right? He wouldn't have been uh, without the coach, right? Phil Jackson. Um, you need you need people to deliver the ball. You need people to shoot the ball. You need people to play defense really well. Um, so on a on a you know take that to a in the military context, you need people who are able to analyze numbers. You need people who are able to communicate really well. Um, I would say for me, because I am, um, I'm, I'm way on the introverted scale. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't necessarily need an extrovert, but I need somebody who is also then looking at the vision to say we need to get people together because that's not my first inclination <laughs> my my first inclination is to go within yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. but you know if if i have somebody that's constantly reminding me that hey we need to we need to gather we need to you know inspire the team we um this is, and then from an operational perspective um these are things that we need to do that kind of, you know, they're looking six months out. It, you need those people that are skilled in those particular things. And, and guess what, as a leader, you're not, you may be the smartest person in the room because you need to know the details, but you have to let those other people do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. That you have to, as a, I heard from uh, someone as I sent out the invite for this talk, uh, he appreciated that I let leaders lead because that's that's it that's hard right if you have a whole bunch of smart people a whole bunch of type a personalities which the military is full of them right people that are we are taught and we are taught uh we are rewarded um by our initiative and uh, our proactivity and so you have all of these people, right? And some of them are competing and some of them just are, you know, they, they're not, you know, thinking about it in that way. But how do you get, you know, you gotta be able to rally all of those brilliant minds together, right? And you have to permit them space to do what they do well. So, so you have to pick people, I think, <clears throat> I'm not big on people who are big on themselves. Well, we are all not big on people who are big on themselves. <laughs> I think, yeah, the world has more than enough of such egos. <laughs> they do. And so um, I think for me, for if I was choosing people, um, they would be more about the organization first rather than themselves. Like, so, you know, in an interview, it, you know, a good question then is, uh, you know, why, what, what do you bring to the team that no one else does? Not, not any other team, but this team, right? And uh, how are you going to empower those around you? So, um, I look for people that are, are looking um, for the good, that will be good for the organization writ large, but also good for the people in the organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so many things you've said in that short um, 
explanation that I just want to touch on. So you talk about being introverted and surrounding yourself with not necessarily extroverts, but people who can communicate and bring your vision to, to, to bear. And, and I find that a lot of people, because of the images of leadership that we see, the stereotypes, you know, that people feel you have to be very extroverted to be able to lead. And I love that you just debunk that myth. So you can be introverted and you can acknowledge that you're an introvert, but then surround yourself with the right people. Oh, sure. You, you got to, you got first of all, you got to know who you are, right? You got to know how you derive energy. Yes. Uh, you know, introverts get their energy from being, from going inside and having that quiet place. Extroverts get energy from other people. People. And so if you know, again, I, I am on the extreme end of that introvert scale. And so like after this, I'm going to have to take a nap, right? But if you know that, if you know that about yourself, then, then you can manage that, right? And you can, you can yeah. succeed. Somebody asked, you know, uh, in the chat box, um, what does leaders lead look like in practice? Yeah. What it looks like is this. Let's say you have, in a, in a construction battalion, you have uh, an operations officer you have that leads the operations department. And this may sound like any, any other industry, right? But I'm just, you know, the structure yeah. that manages operations. Uh, you have a training officer that manages the training of the particular unit. And they're responsible for the development and preparing the organization for uh, the next deployment. You have your administrative functions, right? Sort of the HR department. And as a leader, as the commanding officer, you may be an operational expert or you may be a personnel expert but you have people that do that. So your, your, your goal as a leader is to remove the barriers for those people to be successful at what they do so the organization writ large can be successful. You're not supposed to be the operational expert. The operations officer is. You're not supposed to be the administrative expert. The, the, you know, the admin officer is, and ultimately the executive officer. So if you've put those people in place, if you've trained those people, if you've set the expectation of this is what I expect for the, the good of the organization, and then hold those people to account, that's what it looks like. Like, you know, a lot of people fuss about being micromanaged, um, and, and I get it, nobody likes to be micromanaged. But if your boss is asking a particular question, it's not necessarily micromanaging. They may just be checking up to see if, you know, are we on the right track? But allowing leaders to lead is, is permitting, empowering people to do their job, yeah. um, getting them the right tools, removing obstacles, uh, holding them to account, and, and everybody in the organization is moving in the same direction. Yeah. So, so some of the worst leaders I have seen in my experience are people that are so insecure in themselves that mm. they are not able to let other people shine and be their the best selves. Yeah. 
So, so you will find people working in organizations where they feel, you know, this is it, this person is, is blocking me and is being a barrier because they're not allowing me to do my, my best work. So what advice do you give to people in that situation where they have a, a not so great leader who is so insecure that there's nowhere else to go? Because they don't recognize that leadership is about empowering and developing and, and yes. creating other leaders. You can, you can learn from, yes, you, you can learn from good leaders and bad leaders. Yeah. Um, and if, let's say you're sort of middle management and you have a very, an impossible boss. Um, he's maybe not the, the boss. And I said he, cause most of them are he's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, in subtle ways, you try to nudge people. Like, okay, let's let's assume that you are very good at your job. Very good at your job. And your boss, not so much. So let's say you prepared, a, a, I don't know, you were preparing for a particular inspection or something. And you prepared sort of the read ahead. Um, you prepared um, your your department is pristine. All of your numbers, your reports, your people are, are trained. They know their jobs as well. And your boss is, is not so much. It's not. So what you can do is is you you sit with your boss and say, "This is these are the things we've done. This is this is what I've done. Here's how I have prepared." Um, my recommendation is this, that we, we, uh, I, I, I think we can, um, export, you know, your report to another department, um, so that we all are saying, speaking with the same voice. And if they take that advice, that's great. If they don't, that's not on you as a person. Um, I found that, it, you know, sometimes I, I would, you know, throw out ideas, Hey, I've prepared my, my team and this is how we're doing it. Um, Hey boss, um, you plagiarize all you want and we can, <laughs> and sometimes they take the advice. Sometimes they don't, but you have to be okay with what you do as an individual. Right. If you are bringing your level best every single day, you've provided great products. Your team is squared away, um, but your boss is a train wreck. You know, you either get comfortable with that, or you go find another boss. boss. <laughs> That's it. That's fantastic advice. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't advocate for people going around quitting their jobs, no, but no. you know, you you do have to be. Um, comfortable right you know if if your boss is a tyrant if your boss is um uh they don't listen and all those sorts of things all you can do is bring your level best and make sure that you, you your level best is no kidding like whatever your craft is you have to be exceptional at that 
And then when you provide your recommendations, you know they're sound, they're based on data and analysis. And then you, you take it and say, hey boss, here, here it is. Uh, you can export it to the rest of the organization. They can either take it or not. And in these times, I realized that, you know, uh, at least here in the U.S., people are starting, starting to, you know, be furloughed and uh, laid <laughs> off, and it's very uncertain, and I get it. So please take that in context, right? <laughs> you, you should, you know, most of us want to eat. Most of us want to have a roof over our heads. Okay. So take that in context in the times that we have. Uh, in the times that we find ourselves in and make sure that, you know, if, if that's not the right boss for you, make sure you're laying out a plan and figure out how to, you know, course correct. Yeah. Because I also, I think one of the things I keep telling people is that it's more important. The person you choose to work for is more important than the job because that, you, know, you cannot change the person overnight, but you can always tweak your job and, and do a different job within, within that organization. So make sure you're picking the right boss, the person that inspires you because yes. you will be at your best as well. So I, I have seen a lot of great managers and some good leaders, but very few great leaders. And, and, and so in your experience, having worked in the Navy and some of the people you've had to deal with, what do you think is the greatest barrier to moving from good to great? Mm. Who's that? Jim Collins, right? Good, yes, great. good to great. Well, I will define it this way. I, the barriers. I wouldn't define it as a barrier. Here's what I think makes a great leader. Yeah. A, a, a great leader understands that they set the tone. Right, wrong, or indifferent, people are watching. They, they want to hear from you. They take cues from you whether you're speaking or not, it is, it yeah. is what, what you are doing. So, so lead, good leader, great leader set the tone. I think also in my view, and some people would, um, this is probably up for debate, debate by some people, but I think great leaders also demonstrate humility. I agree. To your point about empowering people i think if you don't get out of the way and allow people to grow and develop themselves and make their mis their own mistakes now granted if it's a life or death thing it's a whole different that's a, yeah, that, that's yeah. not what we're talking about <laughs> no. sometimes you got to step in and say you know we're not doing that you're going to get people hurt that, that, that's not what i'm saying so please be clear in that regard but be be humble enough to say that there may be somebody that's smarter than you and they have something else to offer that is better, that will take us to another level, right? Um, great leaders build trust. Like people will trust them inherently with, with anything, right? And so when you build that trust, let's step back a minute. What, what I, I, I talked about people in sending the tone and people are watching what you say and all that. What yeah. comes out of your mouth matters. I know. I had a shock with that when I realized that everything I said just happened. I was like, no, I was just, you know, I was just thinking, I was just, yeah, thinking out loud. No. 
in the in the Navy, they always sort of remind in in a commanding officer, executive officer school, they remind you that you know, be careful what you say because of course people yeah. can take that and yeah. they may mean that literally, right? So yeah. you gotta be careful. You gotta be measured. That be thoughtful about what comes out of your oh. mouth. In that way, you're building trust, right? So when when the rubber meets the road and the and it really gets important, right? That you want people to really no kidding I, what I'm saying matters. You have had to build that trust before that, before mm-hmm. before there's a pandemic. <laughs> What you say matters, right? So, so people have to be able to trust what's coming out of your mouth. I think the other thing, and, and I probably should have started this after set the tone. One of the things that makes that I think is absolutely critical is a great leader listens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, our uh, pastor, Dr. Brad Braxton, says you listen with your third ear, like you're you're attuned very acutely mm. to what people are saying and what people are not saying. So not only and not only are you listening to the people that are sitting in the room, you're listening to the people that are sitting in the mail room, right? You're listening to the people who are preparing your food. You're listening to the people who um, are answering your phones or are the uh, office managers. Um, I, I, For me, I listen to them first, be, then the people that are sitting in the room, and I say that because they know what's going on. We we would always say um, if you provided a if you provided a communication, did the last man in the last company in the last platoon in the last fire team standing on the opposite end of the the grinder did he understand the message? Yeah. So so you have to be able to listen to him or her and see if they got your message do they understand the organization's vision and mission and so forth and so on and what do they what's their perspective and how would they change it and how do you hear from them what lines of communication do you have to hear from them not from the people that are sitting in the room telling you how fabulous you are i I hope the people that are sitting in the room uh, are telling you how to make the organization writ large, not you as a person, more fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, a few more. A, a good leader empowers the people. They remove obstacles. They remove barriers. Um, they encourage and they support. Um, and I think also a great leader continues to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They read um they think they build in time in the day to think i know that's hard um they get buried opinions um but you you are you should be also always in a constant state of learning because you never know it all right it always changes right oh my god i gotta learn how to operate zoom now that i'm working from home whatever right whatever it is it's tiktok Um, Right, right, right. right. I got to do the TikTok. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. But you've touched on a very important uh, point as well, which is the flip side of listening is what, wh how do you decide what is noise? Mm. What to pay attention to? Because as you said, you've surrounded yourself with all these people. Some of them will tell you exactly what you want to hear because, you know, every, some people are in it for themselves. But then there's generally, the more I have found, the more you leave, the more you open up that space around you and step out to, to lead, there's a lot more noise. Mm. So what's yeah. been your practice in cutting through the clutter and deciding this is what is true, is right, and this is what I'm going to listen to and pay attention to? That, yeah, that's hard. I think what you are, what comes in, you have to look at it through the filter of what, what are the mission, vision, and values of this organization? Does it fit within that? If not, it goes right in the trash bin. Is it something that needs immediate attention that will, no kidding, improve the lives of our people like today, tomorrow, like two weeks from now? Um, is it something that I need to act, in other words, is it something that I need to act on immediately? Is it a great idea, but I need to put it over here and let it marinate a minute? Is there somebody in my organization that I, I need to assign it to yeah. so they can run with it? Um, is it a good idea and maybe it can marinate for a couple years? I don't know. <laughs> but, but yeah, you're right. I, and, but I think everything is like everything that comes into your email box, everything, it, all of it can so be it, in some regard and some dependent on the day, dependent on the minute. Uh, or the situation you find yourself in could can be noise, right? People are pulling on your time, and not so much now, but, you know, when we do get back to some sort of whatever normal in the future is going to be, um, people demand of your time, and it can be noise, and you never know, but you have to put it through that filter of is it important, how much effort is going to take? Can I assign it to somebody else? You know, those kinds of things. Is this going to elevate my organization, you know, increase productivity or, you know, make people happier in their job, whatever. Um, but you have to, you have to sort of filter through it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but I will say once we do get back to some other sort of, you know, when we are able to freely move about yeah. and whatnot, um, I, and I always tell people, no is a complete sentence. I love that. You don't have to accept that because you don't have to accept every single invitation for for from people and whatnot. You know, even now, you know, with the, you know, this artist is doing this live concert and there are all these free videos and this, that, and the other. Yes. You don't have to yes. you don't have to watch them all. No, you don't have to consume them all. No. You know, you can, you can decipher them. Uh, you can scroll through them. You can put the phone down. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's that fear of missing out. Mm. It's that fear of missing out because you're yes. not um, being very intentional about mm. where you need to grow. So then you go online and there's just all this information out there uh, and you, you feel if you didn't read it, if you didn't, if you didn't watch it, you'd be missing out. But I think, 
it goes to your point earlier on about learning and being very intentional about your growth plan. So if you decided, so I have decided for a while, and um, we we're talking about this earlier on before everybody joined the call, the leadership is going to be my thing. Then I need to spend only watch, read things around that topic um, mm. for as long as I can. Because otherwise, everything else is just waste, a waste of time. It's good to consume, but what are you consuming for? What's the, the, the goal of that consumption? So thank you so much for um, saying that no is a complete sentence as well. I think there's a question here from uh, around your personal vision and clarity. So have you always had clarity around what you wanted to do? Um, and I think at this time as well, people will be coming out of, towards the end of the, the bump and thinking, you know, is this what I need to be doing right now? Is my job still relevant? Is this role going to still give the same opportunities it did before COVID-19? Um, I have been, you would have to ask my parents. Uh, they would probably tell you that I have been focused on what I was doing. I, in a lot of ways, I'm very um, meticulous and pedantic about things. And um, so in that way, I, I think I have been clear in that sense. In terms of, of, of one of the things that, that guides me is Am, am I, how do I, um, it, is it going to be meaningful? I've not, um, this would surprise some people. I never laid out a plan, like this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my father was an art teacher and my mother was a career counselor. So I come from um, a family of educators in that way. Um, and, and teachers and preachers. And so um, education was important. You, you, you know, that you, you're going to school. It wasn't even a, hey, this is not a conversation. Had no choice. <laughs> it's not a conversation. Just, yeah, you know. going. <laughs> um, so I, I never really laid out, this is what I want to do. I, I do know that I know what I enjoy doing. I enjoy serving and um, doing meaningful work. Uh, the Navy permitted me to do that in a, in a very big and in, in small ways. And I kind of, because I didn't necessarily have a plan, when opportunities came along, I could look at them in the filter of, is this going to be meaningful? Is, is, it, is it something that I want to do? Is it something that needs to be done? Is my skill set needed at this particular time? <clears throat> Which is the decision I made when I, when I did transition out of the military and I went to, I went to work in higher ed for um, a couple years. But it, I never you know, had this very structured way of of looking at things. I was, I think I've always been open to, you know, possibilities and opportunities. And sometimes it works. Sometimes. Way, yeah. But you must have had a way of creating those opportunities yourself. Um, 
because you wouldn't be where you are and would not have had a track record in the Navy if you hadn't been the sort of person to create your own opportunities. I mean, let, let's be clear. And I, I you know, this is going to sound big headed. I, I am good. You're great. At what I do. Yeah. You're okay. Great so let's it. just say that. Yeah. Um, he, here's what, here's what has been a blessing for me. And that is people recognize that if you have Latanya Sims, and this is where I, 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 I would try, if I was um, advising somebody like a, a, a junior officer, I would say, people would say, if you have Latanya Sims on your team, your team is going to be exponentially better. Fantastic. And so, and then, so why is that? Because I think I have, I do have, um, I an ability to cut through the noise. Mm -hmm. And you're right. There's a lot of noise, a lot of noise. But really, what is important? What is important today? What is important in two weeks? What's going to be important? What do we want as an organization to be important in a year from now? Right? Um, I, I think. Be, because, and I think I, I attribute it to the size of my brain is very small, so it only holds so much. So don't give me all the, you know, extemporaneous sort of stuff. If I don't need to know it right now. Um, so it, maybe it's something that can be tabled. Um, yeah, so I'm going to stop rambling. Yeah, so we have some more questions coming through. Um, we we're hoping to keep this to 45 minutes, but I could keep going for ages because this is what happens every time I talk to Latanya. I, my mind gets expanded. I learn so much and I just want to keep it going. Um, so there's a question here. I think there's a question from um, Michael. Would you recommend that college graduates consider joining the Navy Simulcast? So I will tell you that Michael is like laughing his buns off right now. <laughs> Mike is one of those people. Remember I told you about people, wonderful people that I meet along the way. Yes. So Mike, Mike, Michael and I met when first when we were in undergraduate, like at Florida A&M University. He, he leaves Florida A&M, he transfers schools, um, and he finished at another school. But ironically, we both joined the Civil Engineer Corps. Um, and, and we were interns together in, in San Diego. Uh, yes, Michael, <laughs> I would encourage people to join the Civil Engineer Corps, and here's why. Yeah. I think, um, so the Civil Engineer Corps in the U.S. Navy is, is roughly 1,260-some-odd people, right? It's somewhere, you generally hovers between 1,250 and 1,300 people. So it's a very small core um, that provides uh, a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity to lead, a lot of opportunity to see places you may not have ever seen, an opportunity to serve with some of America's best and brightest. Mm -hmm. um, and even if you do, like I intended to do initially four years and be done with it, um, and a lot of people, a lot of people join and they want to do four years and that's what they, 
can, it, that's the plan and, and a lot of people end up staying uh, more than that. However, if you do those four years and just those four years, you will become, you know, the 1% of the U.S. that serves in the military and not a, a lot of people do, right? Um, so you'll be in that sort of special breed, but also I will say that you join a very special family. So yes, you you should if you have the opportunity. I think you should you should serve in any way you can. Fantastic. So Latanya, if you have any more questions for Latanya, you can type them, and I will try and get it to her, and she can try and answer them at uh, uh, at another time. But I think you would join me in saying that this has been absolutely amazing session. Um, you know we should all be seeing ourselves as leaders. We should be putting ourselves forward um, to lead um, because the world needs us. The world needs great leaders. The world needs authentic leaders. The world needs leaders that look just like you so that people like my little Ellie can, yes. can, can feel that they can also be everything that they ever want to be. So that is my little contribution to the leadership conversation and to the leadership space. And I am challenging uh, um, Latanya, Captain Sims, to put her experience in a book that we can all buy and read. And I'll be the first to promote that book and, and to share that with everybody in my network because I, I think knowledge and experience like this needs to be, you know, need to be shared more widely with everybody else. So I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to that promotion. I will. I will. Why wouldn't I? It's been absolutely amazing. So Latanya, anybody listening to this call now, last words, and they're thinking, what book can I read? How can I take this further? What would you say to them? What resource would you direct them to? Mm. I, I read a lot. Um, I think, I think a book that sticks in my mind in, from a leadership perspective, um, is probably Simon Sinek's Leaders Eat Last. Um, it, it is based on the, the premise that as a leader, it is about your people, preparing them to be leaders, and, and looking out for the organization, right? In that book, he says that what if, what if we judge a leader not on what they do when they're holding the torch, but on what happens after they pass it on? Brilliant. Brilliant. So I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave that there. Yes. So thank you all so much. So um, this webinar, as I said, will be uploaded to the Forward Ladies YouTube channel. Um, you can watch it, you can share it. It's freely available for everybody else to watch. And if you're interested in finding out more about our organization and the work that we do, I really encourage you to sign up to our, our website. It's a free membership. We do have a premium level um, where we do um, these webinars. We offer workbooks and training and leadership opportunities for you to develop. We don't just want to develop in any way, shape, or form. We want to create more leaders, more diverse leaders. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much, um, Captain Sims. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the wonderful work that you do. And thank you, everyone, um, that 
that tuned in. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you, you all being here. Yeah. So thank you. And please, um, I hope to see you next month on the next webinar. And um, take good care of yourself. Stay safe. Uh, COVID is not going to be forever. Life will resume soon. And we just need to take care of ourselves so we can be back up and running once life comes back to normal. So thank you for myself. From